Lesson One: Basic Hip. Welcome to the Jazz Session, the weekly jazz interview show. I'm Jason Crane. This is a TJS Extra edition of the Jazz Session. This one focusing on the Jazz Improv Live conference. Without further ado, I take you now to my interview recorded earlier today with Eric Niemeyer. My guest is Eric Niemeyer. In addition to being a vibraphonist of uh, some renown himself, he is also the man behind Jazz Improv and Jazz Improv New York, two magazines that are chock full of content for not only the musician but also the fan. And he's the man behind Jazz Improv Live, which is happening in New York City from October 25th to 28th. It is a convention that... It it reads like the fevered dream of a jazz fan when you read about all the things that are happening at this place. It's it's amazing the people who are showing up to not only uh, perform but also to talk about the music. Both musicians, uh, critics, jazz historians, jazz biographers, jazz broadcasters. It's an amazing thing happening the twenty fifth to the twenty eighth in New York City, and it's my pleasure to welcome Eric to the show. Eric, thanks for being here. Well, thanks so much for having me, Jason. And I I must say that. Um you know, your introduction was absolutely, um, you know, I'm, I'm humbled by it, and also I'm, I really have to compliment you on your awareness and knowledge of, of the, um, and the way you accurately describe both our magazine and, uh, and, and the coming convention. I really appreciate that. You really, you know, it, it always appeals to us when somebody really gets it. So talk a little bit about the idea of putting on this convention. Now, it's, it's in New York, which uh, every few years plays host to the IAJE convention, and you, you get thousands of people at that, and you get a, a, a pretty decent collection of jazz artists at it as well. What was, the, what was needed, did you feel, in the jazz world that this convention is, is here to fill? Well, um, it, uh, I've been a member of the IAJE for many years, and, um, and uh, back going back to the 70s when it was the NAJE, the National Association of Jazz Educators. And it's, um, it's kind of evolved over the years into a larger and larger organization. It, it primarily focuses on reaching uh, educators and students, although they, they do have their share of um, fans. Um, what we wanted to do was to, um, as, as a jazz lover myself, jazz player, composer, arranger, I wanted to make this convention unique in the sense that it was the convention, the one convention for jazz fans, so that, that you didn't have to... Um, Jazz fans would not have to pay any kind of membership fees. They wouldn't have to um, uh, pay any exorbitant attendance fees uh, and, and just make sure that they got an abundance of content. So, so overwhelmingly um, uh, content-heavy that they, the, the problem that they would have most was simply deciding which um, of the performances, panels, workshops, or whatever to, to go to. And um, when, we, uh, when we put it together, of course, the fans, uh, the, the demographic of fans is the largest demographic in the, that we all need to, uh, to reach that support our concerts, our performances, our sales of records and CDs and products and services, whereas I, I felt that when we were exhibiting um, and attending the IHA, we it's, it's a, a very good show, and we just felt we wanted, we wanted to, we, we were unable to reach the, uh, the, the, the general fan, you know, the people who are going to go out and buy the magazines, and we publish one. So this was a way to, for, um, you know, I don't want to get into pricing because I don't want to make this a, a pitch or anything, but suffice it to say that we've built it so from 9 in the morning until midnight, the, uh, the fan, the musician, the student, the educator can come, and for 
for little more than what they would pay on, for a night out on the town to hear one act in one club. They can hear hundreds of, of experts and authorities and, um, and wonderful performances throughout the day. And uh, the other thing that we wanted to do, uh, in addition to making it accessible for the jazz fans, and, and we have the advantage, of course, of being in the number one market in the world for jazz, New York, it's a mecca, um, is that we wanted to be sure, as I'm sure you're aware from being in the music business, that over many years um, it's, it's not uncommon for musicians to either to not be paid for what they do. And in, in this industry we all know of the notorious stories of record labels or club owners or whoever else hangers on trying to to take advantage and otherwise part the musicians from their copyrights their money and whatever else and um, so what we wanted to do was to make this the one uh... conference the one um, event where people outside of festivals of course where they're major names but the one where everybody would would receive some sort of payment or compensation in kind so that nobody was uh, giving away their talent, giving away anything for the privilege and opportunity of giving it away once more. And so literally everybody at Jazz Improv Live is, uh, all the panelists are being paid. And, um, and we're, we're proud of that because we wanted to set the standard. Uh, we want people to, um, uh, to know that this is the way things should be done. Now, albeit it's a modest fee in some cases, um, but it's n nonetheless you know, 125 or $200 or whatever it is, more than almost every other place. Now, you mentioned the fact that people are going to have to make some, some careful decisions about where to go, and it's true. Looking at the schedule, uh, you could at any one moment be listening to Ashley Kahn talk about jazz biography, who wrote several books about Miles Davis and Kind of Blue and John Coltrane and Love Supreme and uh, Impulse Label. You could be listening to Marshall Allen talk about the Sun Ra Band. You could be listening to the great Dan Morgenstern talking about Duke Ellington. You can be listening to Sonny Fortune talking about John Coltrane. And folks are really going to have to sit down with the schedule and figure out which things they want to hit. And I, I wonder, how are you... This is the first first time out of the gate. How did you manage to get so much talent and, uh, and brain power lined up behind this thing? Well, the way that we got all of this talent and brain power, as you just characterized it, all to convene in one location was, was several-fold. Um, for one thing, you know, I've been at, at, at the, at, in this business for about 30-plus years, um, since I began uh, hearing Buddy Rich's band and seeing Sonny Rollins, and I drive up from Philly from, to see him at the Vanguard, and so I was inspired. And over the years, um, you know, you learn a lot of things in terms of as a player, and, and from time to time you have uh, the doors slammed in your face, and you learn a little bit about uh, how to, um, from those mistakes, as, as a, one of the quotes I read one time was how, you know, your biggest learning opportunities are when you make mistakes, if you're, if you're able to kind of t have the humility to learn from them. So all of that together, over many years, I... Uh, developed some aptitude for, for uh, marketing, for writing ad copy, for, um, for business contracts, for copyrights, and all the many things that go into Jazz Improv Magazine. And we began to assemble that, and about a year or so ago I wrote a business plan so that, you know, unlike many musicians who do go into business without worrying about, we'll worry about the details later, uh, we wanted to be sure that we had a very carefully structured plan so that we would have uh, something to aim for. Because as I like to say, if you aim for nothing, you hit it every time. And so, uh, drawing on our, our on the many um, 
on the reputation we've built among musicians for having bent over backwards for covering many of them, and that's and that's kind of swelled over the last several years. And people know that we kind of try to go out of our way to to do more and more. We began assembling these um, with the help of um, a couple of people assembling the talent for the performances, and many of the people I already knew, so. I could call them up, or, or other, if I didn't know them, you know, somehow or another our reputation preceded us, and, and we could say, okay, would you be interested in uh, participating this way? Here's what we have. And I, what I did was I began putting together a list of seminars and, and topics uh, stretching from everything from bunk to monk, Jelly Roll Morton to Sunrise, I like to say, and I began writing the, um, the, uh, the synopses, the descriptions for, for almost all of these um, panels and discussions. And, with, and then some, from time to time, somebody would have it to say, look, I want to do this instead, or I want to do that. And um, it, I guess it was about 100, 120 hours um, not long ago this month that we began, I began assembling all of those um, little line items into one huge grid and putting the schedule together. And suffice it to say, um, you know, when we booked McCoy Tyner with uh, Stanley Clark and um, Jack DeJanet, that was an exclusive U.S. appearance, and, and we worked carefully to, to have that on board because we wanted to have both well-known artists as, as draws for people as well as emerging artists so that we would give the opportunity to many, many players to have a forum to present their wonderful talents and share those and uh, in the context of other people who would draw them to hear, hear them at the convention. Um, let me see. Have have I kind of uh, addressed yeah? I, th- I think you have, and I, I wanted to focus now on some of those performances. We we talked some about the panels, and we can get more into those. But uh, you just mentioned a, a really special performance that's going to be happening. Are there some other standout highlight performances? For oh you? yeah, absolutely. Um, the um, on, on the evening of the twenty sixth. Let me just start with the evening ones. On the evening of October twenty sixth, which is a Friday night, um, McCoy, of course, will be the. Um, the uh, the culmination of a wonderful evening. But Jimmy Heath's big band will be playing that night, and Jimmy has some fabulous charts that he's written over the years. And, and of course, with his uh, illustrious career, having uh, played with uh, everyone from um, uh, Dizzy Gillespie to Clark Terry to growing up in Philadelphia and being a compatriot of Coltrane, John Coltrane, and having Bird, Charlie Parker, come over their house, the Heath Brothers' house. Jimmy has a rich history, and he brings that to the, he'll bring that to the, to the stage as well as in the, uh, in the music. Um, so his big band includes Louis Nash and Antonio Hart and many other great players. And preceding him, Pat Martino's quartet is going to be playing, and Pat um, has uh, Rick Germanson on piano. I forget who the others are right now. And then Jerry Allen's trio will be playing first. Then on Saturday night, we have um, uh, the Je- Wallace Roney's uh, quintet with his brother Antoine, who's just great. I, I, Wallace and I go back many years because he's from Philly. And, um, and not long ago, or years ago, actually, when I, I was sitting at, the, um, at a table, I was visiting my aunt and uncle in Washington, and I was unexpectedly sitting next to Antoine. We were both about 20. And he said, that's my brother up there playing, playing trumpet. And we hit it off, and so, you know, many years have gone by, and I just love the bo- Antoine's playing and Wallace, and they're both just terrific players. And um, then second on that bill is the Jazz Improv All-Star Big Band, and I will be leading that on Vibes, and I've written all the arrangements for the band. Um, it'll feature guest soloists like Sonny Fortune and Wallace and Jimmy Bruno. And in the band, we have I think it's a fabulous band. It's got Don Braden, Mark Gross, um, Claire Daly, 
uh, Otto Ravati and um, and Dave Glasser on the sax section, um, uh, John DiMartino on piano, who played in the first big band I put together in Philly, um, uh, Avery Sharp on bass, who of course played with McCoy Tyner for many years, and Avery and I are good friends, and uh, Tim Horner on drums. And the uh, the trumpet section includes Earl Gardner, who also is from Philly and um, played in a band I had years ago, and he, of course he's on the Saturday Night Live uh, band. Um, who else in the Matt Gallahan, Tony Luan, uh, David Weiss, and uh, um, several in the trombone section. But it's just going to be a great band. And then uh, after that, we have Roy Haynes Quartet with Jaleel Shaw on sax, and culminating the evening will be um, Stanley Clark's Trio. And but in the you know in the afternoon that's that's not to overshadow things. In the afternoon we have Eddie Gomez and Mark Kramer doing a, a workshop and performance on on Friday afternoon. The Manhattan School of Music Jazz Orchestra is going to be performing at noon on Friday doing uh, Friday the 26th doing a recreation of the Gil Evans uh, Porgy and Beth Suite uh, with Dave Lieben playing all of Miles's parts. Um, Jackie Ryan, who's had a number one uh, CD on the charts in the last few weeks, um, she she worked only you know, 25 or however many years to be to uh, what they say instant success after only 25 years, and she's going to be coming. She'll be doing a performance on the main stage with Xavier Davis and Alec, um, Eric Alexander, and on so the Sun Ra Orchestra will perform in the middle of the afternoon. So you know here we are going from Porgy and Bess to Sun Ra. It's quite a, a stretch. And then on Saturday afternoon, um, the Barry Harris will be doing a performance with his trio as well as a workshop. Um, and uh, Sunny Fortunes group will be playing that day. And then, you know, not to slight, we have a, a TV studio in the Manhattan Center. And in that TV studio, you know, we have four or five stages going all the time in the evening. So, so for example... Uh, at the TV studio in the evening, you'll be able to on Friday night, if you didn't want to go into the main hall or, you know, you just wanted to see Jimmy Heath or just one of the acts, you could then go over to the TV studio and see uh, Rosanna Vitro with Mark Soskin, Avery Sharp's trio um, with Onage Allen Gums, Mark Elf's trio, Carly Munoz, who's coming up from Puerto Rico, just a fabulous piano player, uh, Don Braden's quartet. And then on Saturday night, uh, as an alternative to the main stage, you can see uh, Marco Pignataro with Eddie Gomez and Mark Kramer, Paulette Dozier, fabulous vocalist, Katie Bull, who, who's really very exploratory. She's a wonderful vocalist and has a fabulous group, and it'll feature um, Frank Kimbrough in that group. Uh, Alvin Atkinson's group, Vincent Herring's Earth Agents, Earth Jazz Agents, and Woody Witt, a great saxophone player from Texas who's going to be playing. And, you know, but then that's not all. I mean, you're talking about great performances. If you didn't want to go to either the main stage or, the, um, or that particular stage, we also have um, uh, two jazz clubs, a jazz improv jazz club in the New Yorker Hotel that we've set up, and that one will feature um, on, on, the, um, on, the, on, on Thursday, or excuse me, on, um, on Friday night, uh, you'll be able to see Mike Longo's trio for an hour, Ronnie Ben-Hur's trio for an hour, Sue Terry's Bluesium project, and, and then following that, Pete Malinverney's uh, trio. Then um, simultane- on, on Saturday night, you know, there's Don Friedman trio, Mela, Francisco Mela quartet, and Tim Armacost's quintet with uh, uh, Bruce Barth, Billy Hart, O'Connor Ogeguo, Ogeguo. Uh, and then Friday night, there's Vic Juris's trio, uh, Saltman Knowles, R- Ron Kaplan, Eric Mueller. Uh, and, and then, of course, we have the Tiernanog Club down the street. And at the Tiernanog, there's even more talent going on. George Colligan's trio, um, 
and and in the in the daytime just a whole bunch of great people too so there's a taste so if if anybody um, it loves jazz. You'll, this is a kid in the candy factory experience, so no matter what they see, it's all going to be great. They just won't be able to see it all. And how does the ticketing work for those things? Uh, the ticketing is um, we have a full conference pass that people can, can, can visit our website, and, and it's the full conference pass is priced at $195, which includes full access to all events from Thursday night through Sunday. And by the way, Thursday night at the Virgin Mega Stores, all jazz improv attendees will be exclusively able to hear Robert Glasper's trio as the opening act and uh, Rondi Charleston. And that's at Virgin. There's a kickoff party for jazz improv. And then su- a Sunday brunch, by the way, uh, down at the Union Square Virgin store. And that one has Motema Records artists, uh, Rufus Reed's group, Ronnie Ben-Hur, Amy London. Um, but anyway, the ticketing is uh, 195 for the full conference pass, and that'll get you into everything. Um, and if there's an overflow in any one room, we, we've designed it so that nobody will not have anything fabulous to do at any given time, as you could tell. Um, there's also a student pass, and anybody with a bona fide student ID that they can present either online or at the, lo- at their, at the um, ticketing that day will be able to get a student pass, high school or college kids, for um, $125. And then what we've also instituted, because we've had a number of people who simply can't come to the event during the day because they work on Friday or whatever their situation is, uh, we've cr- uh, and on Saturday, too, or they're, they're not interested in seminars. We've created an evening-only conference pass for uh, people to attend, and that evening-only pass will get you into um, any of the events from um, 7 o'clock onward in, on any of the stages, including the Manhattan Center Grand Ballroom, the Manhattan Center's TV studio, the Tiernanog Jazz Club down the street, and the Gramercy Park. Uh, um, suite and Herald Square Suite at the New Yorker Hotel where we have the two jazz clubs. And that passes $75 per night. Um, still, as you, could, as you well know, uh, $75 is going to get you into where? Just w- usually one place for one set most places. Without the drinks. Without yeah. the drinks, right. <laughs> so let's uh, tell folks about Jazz Improv, which uh, I mentioned to you before we started that I... Uh, have the first issue and had started subscribing as soon as I heard that it existed, uh, and it's come a long way since then. Uh, just talk briefly, if you would, about the the magazine and which has now birthed the second magazine. Sure. Well, uh, I, I I began publishing Jazz Improv magazine in 1997 and uh, printed a very small number of copies and began uh, word began to spread. And the magazine uh, focuses on. Um, it's about two to three hundred pages, and every issue comes with a companion compact disc. And um, in the last couple, of, the compact disc includes full-length tracks by leading and emerging artists. And, and what we've done in the last two years is actually make it so that on the compact disc, it's an enhanced compact disc. So somebody who gets the two or three hundred page magazine, also, if you happen to play, if, if that part of the demographic, they get 150 to 200 pages of songs and transcribed solos and how-to articles and exercises. So they can really make use of what we consider the, the most a uh, very practical jazz education tool and probably the, the one magazine in the world uh, that has more practical jazz education content than any other um, uh, publication, any other uh, periodical publication, I should say. You know, Eric, I remember getting that that first issue and several, you know, the subsequent issues, and immediately thinking, 
how the heck is this guy going to ever make it? I mean, it seemed it seemed like there was so much stuff in there. The issues were so big. The CDs had so much on them that I thought the the overhead for just making this magazine must be must be staggering. And yet here we are a decade later and now there's two magazines. So obviously you had something going. You had some idea that was that was worth pursuing when you decided to launch this thing 10 years ago. Yeah, well, I, I have to say that there was when I started, I, I printed I printed the first magazine with a full color cover and a you know black and white interior on basic fifty pound paper, and printed a thousand copies. It was reprinted a few times after that because of the popularity, but but um, that was uh, you know a, a modest um, cost to do that. The, the CDs at the time I was paying more than I should have because I had a different supplier, but um, but suffice it to say that you know we have when I put the magazine together, it was. I put together a business plan first that I took about a year to write, uh, about 200 pages. And having had a lot of experience as a player, and, and I, I kind of knew what I wanted in the magazine. I designed it really for myself so that, that what would I want in a magazine like this? And I'm kind of like, I figured I'm like every other jazz fan who has this kind of like burn in their belly for this music. And that's how I designed it, with, with, to have an emotional core that would really appeal to me and to everybody else who really loves this music. And, and I, I be, in the first few CDs, I basically began doing a lot of licensing, contacting different um, record labels and, and, uh, and saying, look, you know, um, we're doing this, um, would you like some free publicity and you know, just give us the rights to use this track? And, and that's what happened. I put on music that I really loved. Um, most people cooperated early on there was you know I had to beg people beg some record label I thought I had a you know a great idea you know people pay lots of money for to get airplay and here's a magazine where you're going to get your track on the CD and people will keep it and and um, what you know if if you want to get your music heard which is the immense power of sound is the industry's most powerful sales tool then here's a way to do it what i found was um, you know a lot of the, the 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 record labels were looking at me like i had four eyes and and I thought, okay, you know, like so, I had to go around begging people to let let them let them let me give them free publicity at our expense. That has significantly turned around, obviously, over many years, over the ten years, because now we have a a marketplace that we're able to deliver an audience, and and they realize the value in in reaching them. But you know, maybe that's one of the reasons that that, that there's problems with the re- major labels that they um, you know it's it's that a certain mindset. But we've come along and. And built the magazine, and it has a lot of interviews, a lot of you know in-depth, um, full-text interviews, so somebody can really get a sense of who that artist is. Like when I sit down to speak with somebody, and I I'm, I've done it quite a few of the interviews, although we have other writers, and I'm trying to defrock myself of a lot of the, that kind of work because my 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 goal always has been to make more and more music, and that's what I'm able to do now. Um, but suffice it to say that those interviews, I wanted people to to be able to feel like they were right there and, and they were just having conversations with these artists and you know we've all read interviews where they get asked a lot of dumb questions and I wanted to ask things that I was curious about what makes them tick their philosophies how they think and um, and that also opened once they knew who I was if they didn't before because of my as a musician and composer ranger player they began opening up and of course now there's no problem because of our reputation but but um, that enabled them to to feel comfortable that they weren't going to get sandbagged they weren't going to get asked stupid questions and so forth. And, 
and then we have record reviews in the magazine, and um, you know we try to we we bend over backwards for our supporters and advertisers, and we try to do the best. And you know, like any other project, there's there's mistakes from time to time, and there we have our our shortcomings. And when we find out about them, we always try to correct them. And and like just like the music itself, we're always in process and always trying to improve and 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 develop. And that's the beauty of this music that it's a lifelong process to to grow and to create more and more. My guest is Eric Niemeyer. He is the founder of Jazz Improv Magazine and now also Jazz Improv New York and also the man behind Jazz Improv Live, which takes place in New York City, October 25th through 28th, 2007. You can go to jazzimprov.com and find out all the information about the conference, which is really, uh, Eric described it as a kid in the candy factory. If you have even a passing interest in jazz, this is the place to be. And if you are a jazz fan and if you're listening to this you are then uh, this is this is mecca for uh, for three days in october eric it's been a real pleasure talking to you i uh, hope that this is the first of many many jazz improv lives and thank you for taking the time to be on the show well thanks so much i really appreciate it that's eric niemeyer founder of jazz improv and creator of the jazz improv live convention You've been listening to The Jazz Session, the weekly jazz interview show. I'm Jason Crane. This has been a TJS Extra edition of The Jazz Session. The show is available for free in iTunes. Please take a minute and subscribe so you're always up to date. You can also listen at thejazzsession.com, where you'll find episodes of the show, written interviews, live jazz news, and lots of jazz links. The site also features a link to The Jazz Session Cause of the Month, this month, it's Tipitina's Foundation, helping to restore New Orleans' musical heritage. Please click the link and give them some cash. Thanks. For more interviews and reviews, you can visit allaboutjazz.com, the world's largest jazz website. You'll find my writing there, beside that of many other jazz experts and fans. You can contact me via email at jason at thejazzsession.com or call the show at 585-473-5304. The Jazz Session mailing list is available at thejazzsession.com. When you join, you'll get periodic updates about the guests who appear on this show, plus other news from the world of me. The theme music for this show is by the Respect Sextet online at respectsextet.com. Thanks also to Dave Rabel, who designed the Jazz Session's logo. Thanks so much for listening. Remember to support live jazz whenever and wherever you can, and come back next time for another conversation about jazz on The Jazz Session. Thank you for listening. Bye.